the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Don't be showing your age like that. Some of you only know it from reruns, right? Back in the 70s and 80s, though, man, when those movies would come out, fads would sweep the nation. And uh, when Urban Cowboy came out, I just had to have a cowboy hat. You know, I just had to have one with the, the, the brim bent low, you know how they do. And I had to have, I wanted to be Bud. <laughs> so I begged and begged my mama and my little brother wanted one too. And so finally, she took us down to the Southland Mall. We were living in Whitehaven and she took what we had left of our grocery money and she bought us some straw hats, you know, the cheap kind. But, but they did have the pre-bent bill, you know, on them, and, and you could pull them down over your eyes real tight and look like, have that lonesome trail hand look, you know. And that's what we wanted, so we all three got us a cowboy hat. And then she got excited, and I don't know where she pulled out another bill from, but she said, y'all go ahead and get you one of those bands. You know how they, would, they all had different bands, and you could get the feathers and stuff. I got a feather so big it looked like a peacock in full bloom. It was coming off both sides, you know. Never be one to be short, you know. And uh, I'll never forget as we was walking out of the place, I looked over and there was these rack of jackets that said $4. And I went over and I said, hey, mama, look at this. And it said on, in the inside of these jackets, it says, genuine imitation pleather. <laughs> A leather-like substance. What it really meant was rubber. It was brown rubber. It was a brown rubber jacket. <laughs> but we had to have them. There were only $4. And, and Mama, somewhere deep down inside, she knew it was August. But there's never been a Sheffield on our side of the family who could <laughs> uh, pass up a deal. So we all walked out <laughs> with a brown rubber jacket. And I couldn't wait to get home because, see, there was this, this little older junior high girl down the street that I had been sparking on and I wanted to put on my fancy new rubber duds and put my hat on and go down there and see her. So I did. I put my hat on, got my, got my boyoing jacket on. I'd begin to call them boyoing jackets because that's the sound they made if you happen to drop one. It boyoing bounced back up to you, you know, like a basketball. And as I was going out the door, she said, take your little brother Heath. I said, oh, mama, that's going to crimp my style, you know. But I had to take him. I said, get your boy on jacket. He put his on, put his lonesome trail hat on. And so it was a long, sweaty walk down the street <laughs> to this girl's house. And I knocked on the door. But, but, I, but I'll tell you what. As painful and sweaty as it was and uncomfortable as it was to be wearing this, I knew it was the new me. I knew I had found my identity. I mean, I was just sure of it. I was going to be Bud, and she was going to be Sissy. And we were going to get a Ford F-150 one day, you know. Well, anyway, I knocked on the door. For some reason, she wasn't coming to the door. I knew she was there. 
And I knocked on it again. I kept knocking until she finally said through the deadbolt, what is it? I said, come on out. Look at my new hat. She said, y'all might want to just go ahead and leave before my neighbors get home. I didn't know what that had to do with anything. But she wouldn't come out. I don't know. She was in a bad mood that day. Maybe she, was, she wasn't dressed properly. I don't know. But I said, we'll be back next week when we get our boots to match. But you know what? I don't think I ever saw that girl again. I don't know what happened there, but, but that's a story for another day. Turn in your Bibles to Ecclesians. <laughs> if somebody can find Ecclesians, y'all let me know. <laughs> that's a mixture of Ephesians and Ecclesiastes. <laughs> We'll just choose Ecclesiastes, all right? Ecclesiastes, Ecclesians. It's going to be a good day. I'm making up words already. I ain't got to the first scripture. All right, in Ecclesians 3.11, better known as Ecclesiastes, I love this scripture. It said, yet God had made everything beautiful for its own time. Everything has a season. It's like those fads. They come and they go. They have a season. And we weren't the only ones having fads. They have fads this, these days. I saw some kids running around chasing an imaginary being called a Pokemon or something the other day. So fads, they're still around. They come and they go. There's a season. And it can be beautiful in its time like that. Brown rubber jacket. It says he has planted eternity in the human heart, though. You know, we were out ministering the other day, and we knocking on the door, and, and a guy came to the door, and he said, we were trying to tell him about Jesus. He said, I'm an atheist. I just want you to know I'm an atheist. So the first thing that came to my mind was to say, an atheist, I said, don't, don't you feel like there's something deeper on the inside of you? Like when you die, it's not over that, you're, that you will be accountable to a God in heaven? Don't you feel that? He's like, he shut the door on me. That's when the conversation ended. Because you know why? God has put eternity on the inside of us. It's a fool that says in his heart there is no God. You know there's a God. You're arguing with yourself. You're lying to yourself because you want to stay in your sins. God has placed eternity, He planted it in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So we have it in there, we know there's something coming. We can see in the Bible that, you know, it's going to be a grand day. There's a heaven and a hell to shine up there. And, but we can't see the whole plan, and that's good. How many of you realize that if God showed you everything all at once, you'd probably be overwhelmed and, and say, I'll never be that. He's got the wrong person, and you'll probably freak out and quit. But God just shows you a little enough. He gives you a mark to work towards, and He works with you where you're at, you know, and helps you get there. You can't see the whole thing all at once. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but He does, so that's why we say, lift your hands wide open. God, I trust what you know and not what I know. We were at prayer Tuesday night, we always have Passion Prayer at Tuesday night, and all of you are invited. It's a wonderful time of uh, just loving on Jesus and praying and for the needs of you. We pray for you guys and uh, 
people that are sick and all that kind of stuff for the city, for the county, for the nation, for Jerusalem, peace, authorities, pray for the flood victims and so forth. Uh, pray for just whatever God puts on her heart. And our newest member, that's only been here 10 years or so, Kirsty Kirby, who's been in prayer, prayer faithfully all those 10 years as far as I remember, she said, I got something in my spirit. She said, I don't know what it means, but I'm just going to say it out. She said, I'm hearing the words, new beginnings. And I thought, when she said that, I said, everything we've prayed, and we'd been about 30 minutes in already, and everything that we had already prayed about was a, basically a new beginning for somebody, a new beginning for the church, what we need to do new to bring forth fruit and everything. And everything we prayed after that, we tried to pray it out the best we knew how and everything. But it was all about new beginnings. So if you're following along and you want to write to today's message title, today's message is entitled, Two Cats on a Hot Tin Roof. No, I'm just kidding. New beginnings. Today's message is new beginnings. And that makes somebody nervous in here. I know it does. Because some people don't like change at all. I'm not going to name any names. But I will say this. God does love you too much to let you stay so ugly. I, I wasn't looking at anybody when I said that. God likes change. God loves new beginnings. And he doesn't need to change. You understand that? He doesn't, he doesn't, he said, I change not because I am perfection. God doesn't need to change, but we certainly do. God doesn't like stale bread in the house of God. He likes something producing fruit. He's not a hoarder of things that are no longer useful like many of us. I bet I could come to your house and open up any drawer and there'd be like 12 flip phones still in there, you know. <laughs> what are you holding on to them for? They're not going to, like the battery's going to come back alive one day or they're going to, be worth something? We hold on to things, but God lets them go. Isaiah 43, 18. He says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Let it go! Look at somebody say, let it go, man. Some of you got them fads from the 70s still going on, you know. You might have your boy on jacket on today. I don't know. Let it go! It's hot outside, you know. Yeah, we're, a lot of things are coming back in style. I said, no, no, you know. Oh, my goodness. Puffy jackets, they came back. There's a lot of stuff going on. But verse 19 says, he says, behold, I will do a new thing. New things are better than old things. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, shall I not tell you about it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. So you don't have to understand what he's doing. Sometimes some of you are following Jesus right now and you're saying, well, this ain't working out. <laughs> he said, go this way and I've been doing it. I, he said, tithe and I've been giving and I've, I've been getting broker. You know, or whatever. And you're thinking, this ain't working out. He might just be, you might just be in a test. Because God can bring forth water out of a rock. He will. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. You are going to succeed if you will follow the Lord. He's making things new. Now, if you ever arrive at God's best, if you ever attain perfection, then you can take a break down here. 
Until then, God is leading us always into new beginnings. You know, just because a program in the church worked 20 years ago and some people got saved because of it, you know, that doesn't mean we got to keep it going eternally because it once worked. God says, let some things go. Let old things go. Clean your garage out every now and then. And start afresh. He prunes things. He gets rid of the extra so that it can bear more fruit. God is about the new. The Father is. And the Holy Spirit is too. The Holy Spirit is the change agent. He's the master of new beginnings. I picture him in Genesis Chapter 1, when he's hovering over the waters, you said the earth was out without form and void, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. He's like, go on, Father. Go on, give me the word. I'll make all things new. I can picture him. He is the, he is the power to change. You say it, I'll spray it, he said. God said, let there be light. He made it come to pass instantly. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians 3.18. I'm going to read it out of the... King James. Second Corinthians. No. All right, Second Corinthians three eighteen says, "But we all." That sounds kind of southern. But we all. I didn't know Apostle Paul was from Mississippi. <laughs> but we all. Sound like a donkey. We all, we all, <laughs> but we all, <laughs> with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. How? Even as by the, the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. That's how we're changed from one level of glory to the next. We see God. We see our lives in the Bible. We say, oh, that's supposed to be me. We walk in the knowledge that we know, and we go from one level to the next by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the change agent. He's charged with the responsibility of helping us walk in the new. He's what was given to lead and guide us and to teach us all things, to show us, bring all things to remembrance, what God has said to us. And of course, we know Jesus, he lived and died for new beginnings. So there you have the Trinity, all about new beginnings. Jesus was demonstrating how new beginnings work from the very start. He went to this wedding feast and they ran out of wine. He said, Let's pump up this party. <laughs> And he brought out some new wine. Are you filled with the new wine of God's Holy Spirit? See, that's what it was symbolizing. You got, when you get started, the first, the first miracle was you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's time for a new beginning. Say it's time for a new beginning. Y'all going to help me preach? I need to leash y'all. It's time for a new beginning. All right, y'all help me now. See, people had reduced God to just traditions of man, a set of do's and don'ts, and they had made his house a den of thieves. Well, Jesus took a whip, and he broke up that little party. That was one party he didn't want going on. So I asked the question, is God real to you? 
Or is he just a, is dusty? An old religion, is that dust on your Bible? Huh? It, do you have a flourishing, real life commitment, understanding, of dialogue with Jesus? Is he real to you? Because it's t- if not, it's time for a new beginning. Say it's time for a new beginning. The Jews, his own people, had become sexist and racist. They had divided up in all kind of ists. And they only liked those who were like them. They had no public dealings, it said, with the Samaritans. They wouldn't address women in public. They had made women second-class citizens. But Jesus, he sat down at the well with the Samaritan woman. And he straightened all that out. His disciples came back. They wanted to say something about that's not how we do it. But they realized Jesus is fixing to make all things new. Jesus straightened that out. So do you love and respect everyone? No matter the color of their skin. No matter their gender. No matter what they do for a living. Do you even love those who don't believe like you? Do you love the atheist? Do you love those who rail on you on your little Facebook blog or whatever? Can you love your enemies? A lot of people only love those that are like them. Say, it's time for a new beginning. See, that's where the love of God gets in and changes you. You've got to let it happen. Because you may have been raised, taught these things all your life, and it's being pumped, and it's being... There's a spirit of division being pumped into the American society right now. Let's all break up into camps and fight each other. And that is not from God. That is not God's plan for America. That is the devil trying to divide and conquer. And if you can't realize that, if you're falling into that, you need to ask yourself, whose team am I playing on here? We have to be bigger than that. We're not Americans first. We are from God's kingdom. We are ambassadors to America. We're supposed to help change America. It's time for a new beginning. The people, they like to divide and play class warfare, but you know what Jesus did? He healed the royal officer's son, and he healed blind Bart, the poor beggar. Didn't matter to him how much money they made. Do you look down your nose at anybody? Is there somebody that you say, well, that's just white trash or that's this or that? Are you looking down your nose at any class of people? Because God loves those people. A lot of those people, you're probably looking down your nose at will be in heaven with you one day and you, they might be looking down. <laughs> no, they won't be doing that in heaven. But, but they might have a closer place to Jesus than you do. Oh, come on with it. Somebody helping me preach up in here. Say, it's time for a new beginning. See, all these are changes in the way you think. It's changing yourself into the image of Jesus, seeing people. For God so loved the world, there was nobody that he did not love. When they threw that woman at his feet, caught in the act of adultery, The law said that she must be stoned. 
What was Jesus to do? Was He trapped by the law? The law was just. Let's not think for a minute that the law isn't just. God gave the law. The law is just. The law is showing us what we deserve if we break these laws. If we do that, this is what you deserve. She deserved to be stoned. See, that's what people don't understand. They, the, the, the ungodly look at the law and they say, well, I'm appalled that, that, that I'm not serving a God like that. John 1.17 says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus Christ. The law showed us what we deserve, but God said, let me show you what I'm really like, what my heart is. And He showed it in the face of His Son, Jesus. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came to show us that there's something that triumphs over the law, and it's God's mercy for you. It's God's mercy for each other. Does your mercy and grace that you extend to others, does it have to be earned? Do they have to pay for it? Because that's not mercy and grace at all. Mercy and grace, mercy and grace, both of them is something that people don't deserve. Man, this stuff will change your life. Say it's time for a new beginning. A new way of thinking. Nothing that Jesus said made sense to the Degenerate human mind that's so bent on self, bent on having our way. The Burger King mentality. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 24 says Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You remember Cain killed his brother Abel. That's what people left to their own devices will do, kill each other. And Abel's blood was spilled in the dirt and the dust, and it was crying out for vengeance. I want my justice. And I hear people today crying out for justice. I want... Do you really want justice? Because if you want it from somebody else, if you don't show mercy, God won't show you mercy. Do you really want justice? Jesus' blood cried out for mercy and grace. That's what we should cry out for. Colossians 3.10 says, Put on your new nature. Once you've got Jesus in your heart, you have a new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. It's time for a new beginning. Some, some of you have had so many new beginnings. It says those who've been forgiven much love much. Some of you love Jesus so much. <laughs> I love Him more than all of y'all. Do you think the woman who was bent low for 38 years of her life with a spine problem was happy she got a new beginning? I mean, she couldn't even look up. What about the woman with the issue of blood that had spent all her money for 12 years trying to be healed and no, nothing man could do for her could heal her, but God healed her. Jesus healed her just by touching the hem of His robe. Do you think she was happy for a new beginning? Or the man born blind? He's in his 30s now? 
He's never seen the light of day. Do you think he was happy for a new beginning? What about the man that was lowered through the ceiling that had the palsy and his friends let him down because the crowd, the multitude was so uh, thick upon Jesus, they, they, they had to tear the roof up to try to get Jesus' attention and let the man down on ropes. You think he was happy that Jesus said, take up your mat and walk out of here? Because he didn't want to go back up in humiliation. He didn't want to be pulled back through the roof. But he took up his mat. And God gave him a new beginning. And guess what the Pharisees are saying? Oh, did he do that on the Sabbath? Oh. <laughs> do you want to be one of the Pharisees? Do you want to have a religious attitude? Or do you want to see new beginnings? Jesus said it's time for a new beginning. What about the ten lepers? They got healed. Don't you think? They had body parts falling off. They were probably walking on the way to get healed. Oh, they're on my leg. <laughs> well, I can't hear you. I ain't got a ear, you know. They got body parts falling. They have had no attention and no... Who knows how long? They're quarantined. They can't touch one another. No bodily contact. Nobody to love on them. Their life is essentially like a living hell. And they walk away and they begin to get healed. Jesus heals them. But the funny thing about it is only one came back to give God glory. Only one came back and said, and fell to his knees and worshipped God. Only one recognized the golden goose instead of just the little golden egg that he had received. See, this guy, he was a little smarter than the rest. They went off with their golden egg and said, well, I got, you know, I got what I was coming for. But they didn't follow Jesus. But this guy recognized, this is the golden goose. If I follow him through life, there'll always be a golden egg, a new beginning. Every time I need a new beginning, I'll have one. If I follow Jesus, even the guy that, that was demon-possessed, cutting himself, running naked through the tombs, man, I bet he was happy for a new beginning. He came back to Jesus and said, can I go with y'all? I got to go. So, how many of you have had new beginnings in your life? And you get your new beginning and you run off back into your old way of life. Instead of following the golden goose who is able to continually give you the new beginnings that you need and, and get you to somewhere worth getting. Christians must embrace new beginnings. Can't hold on to that flip phone forever. And born again is a good place to start. That's the ultimate. That's about as new as it comes, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, or has asked God into his life, has repented of his sins, and, and said, I need Jesus, and, the, and the, the Scriptures call it being born again or saved. You've heard those terms. He's a new creature. He's not a patched up old sinner. Well, you know, I, I saw some Scriptures, you know, and I saw got some good ideas, and I'm just going to try harder. He's not a patched up old sinner trying to do better. He is a new creation in Christ Jesus. Something that never existed before. 
A new spirit, a new nature that we already talked about. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Sins pardoned. Record expunged. Forgot about, thrown into the sea. Some of you are carrying such a, maybe not in here, but they'll hear this tape, are carrying such a sin burden that you can hardly stand on your own two feet. You're like, I've made such a mess of my life and you're so discouraged. But you can walk out of here today with a clean slate. As if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. Justified never sinned. Ephesians 4.22 says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Wouldn't it be nice to have a new thought and a new attitude? Attitude's 90% of life right there. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Those words sound kind of churchy. Pastor, I don't know. I can never be righteous and holy. What does that mean? It just means you're right with God. Holy means you've set yourself apart to, to worship God, to be His. And when you have Christ in your heart, you are right with God. And now all you got to do is say, I'm yours, Lord. I will follow you. Not that you'll never make a mistake. You can be holy and righteous. You can live with a clean slate. And Jesus wants us to offer a clean slate to those who wrong us. Peter, of all people, he comes to Jesus and said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? I can just picture the way Peter probably said it. He's like, he's exasperated, obviously, with somebody, and he's probably saying, Jesus, I know you told us to forgive somebody. This guy over here, you know, how many times am I supposed to give him? Seven times in a day? He thought he had Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, not seven times. I tell you seven times 70 in a day. In other words, you just keep on doing it until you get tired. And then you do it some more. Just keep on forgiving. The same way I have to forgive you, Peter, is what he was getting at. Lamentations. 3.22 says the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Some of you had a rough day yesterday. Some of you started out rough today. But His mercy begins anew whenever you ask for it. His forgiveness. If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 Man, I, had, I almost had that tattooed on the back of my hand when I first became a Christian. Okay, what's that scripture? <laughs> I need that one again. But you just keep confessing your sins and, and pretty soon... The desire to sin is taken away. 
God works with you where you're at, and you're in a process. Look at somebody say, I'm just in a process. <laughs> if somebody has arrived and they're, they're taking that break we talked about, you know, you come up here and preach. Because <laughs> I'm surely, <laughs> you're the one that needs to be up here preaching if you have arrived. We're in a process. We all need a, a do-over every now and then. A mulligan. Anybody play golf? <laughs> Oh my goodness, I've sat on that first tee, you know, and, and I'm playing against somebody or something, and, and I get up there, whoo, right in the water over there, shank it or something, you know, it's like, bloop, 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 bloop. I can't tell you how bad I wish I had a mulligan. I, w- I want to do over, come on. I mean, I was planning on shooting a 40-something today. I was, I was shooting for my better score, but now I done messed it up on the first shot. How many of you feel like you messed your day up before you even get out of bed sometimes? And oh man, I wish I could have a mulligan. I'm telling you, you can. You can. I don't know how God does it. I don't know how He keeps score. (laughs) But God gives do-overs. He gives mulligans. His mercy is new every day. Where do you need to take a new shot at in your life? Is your marriage barely hanging on? Man, I wish I could do things different with my wife or with my husband. What's stopping you? What's stopping you from asking God for a new beginning? Well, pastor, you know, it, it ain't all up to me. No, but you can always do your part. And if God usually can find one person willing, he, I've seen Him time and time again restore marriages and relationships with just one party wanting to do His will. Because once they see you doing His will, they'll want to do it too. They'll see what joy and peace it brings into your life. Maybe some of you need a, would like to take a new shot at your relationship with your kids. Go on. I'm not keeping score. Take a mulligan. Take a new beginning. Do it. Career choices. Yeah, man, I don't know how I ended up here, man. I was just chasing the dollar. Now I'm, you know, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my life. I hate it. You know, Pray and ask God about a new beginning. Does He not give new beginnings? He may want you to get your attitude right where you're at first so that He can put you in a better place. But new beginnings are possible. What about your faithfulness to the Lord? Oh, I got saved, but... I'm like Pastor said, I went my own way, man. I, I took my golden egg and I headed off. Now I don't remember what my golden egg was. And I, I just, I can't be counted on. I'm like a, a loose tooth or a broken ankle or something, you know. Nobody can count on me at church. I'm here today, gone for a month, to come back. I'm not really doing anything for the Lord. I don't pray like I should. Some of you beat yourself up about the way your relationship is with God. So many times. Then, then, then when you think you've done bad, then you run from God. 
Like he don't know where you're at or something. Yeah, where are you going to go? He's right there. Why don't you just say, God, I need a new beginning. Let's start this thing over today. Let's just do it again. He's more happy to give you one than you are happy to receive it. He loves you more than you love you. He loves your relationship with Him more than you love it. That's why you were created. Now we're going to talk about something not so pleasant. Sometimes life thrusts upon you new beginnings that you don't really want. I think there's some people in South Texas right now probably thinking, yep, amen, Pastor. Everything that they had built their lives around is washed away. Sometimes you lose a job, your belongings. Sometimes you lose your way in life. Sometimes you get caught up in things that you ought not be caught up in and they grab a hold of you with addictions and all these things. And they're pulling at you, pulling you down into a pit. Sometimes you may lose a loved one. People in here probably lost spouses. We all typically lose our parents at some point in our life. It's, it's, it's life. Death is part of life. You understand that. It's appointed to man wants to die. We lose people. Some people have lost, God forbid, their children. It ought not happen that way, but it does. And you feel like you can't go on, man. I just, that's it. I, that is, I can't take that. I feel hopeless. I can't go on. But God doesn't let you quit. He upholds you in your weakest moments and he's, he's whispering in your ear, let me heal your heart. Let me carry you during this time. I'll give you a new beginning. I'll give you a fresh start. I, it, it, it doesn't seem possible right now, but don't quit. Hold on. We must go on. It's just part of life. We must go on through the hard times. What, what, else, what are your alternatives? You've got to go on knowing somehow, some way that God, who knows a thing or two about losing a loved one, who experiences your pain right along with you, somehow you've got to know that in His infinite wisdom and seeing and how He sees all of eternity all at once. See, He, he sees the beginning from the end. You remember it says that we don't know. We have eternity in our heart, but we don't know. But He knows. He knows how things work out. He knows why things happen when we don't know why. When a tragedy happens, I, well, I want to ask why. I don't know why, but I know the one who knows why. And I trust him because he's trustworthy. He's held me through these situations before. He's healed my broken heart. He stepped me into a greater faith that it takes to rise to yet another beginning. Some of you say, well, I've been through so many beginnings that life is so hard. I know people in here that just seem like, man, one thing, whoop, whoop, whoop. I, what, it's like life is whooping me with a big baseball bat. And I get back up to my knees and I'm bleeding and I'm trying to get the blood out of my eye and whoop me again. But you keep getting up. You keep moving forward. <laughs> say that louder. 
That's how winning's done. You keep moving forward. We began in Ecclesiastes, or Ecclesiastes, or whatever we called it, 311. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Some of us have a long time here on the earth. Some of us have a short time. We don't know. But God has made the possibility for everything to be beautiful for the time it's here. And He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. We don't know. But He does. And that's one of the reasons I'm so thankful for this church. For people that love one another. For people that are warm and fun-loving. Because you can come in here and laugh when you feel like crying. We can get together and do life together because we're family and we're eager to reach out with God's love and restore all those who have lost their way, who forgot about their new beginnings. Because everyone matters to us. God is changing our heart. He's melding us together to this beautiful family that He has created us to be. And we're a hospital of hope. People can come here sick, hopeless, and begin to find restoration and change. They find Jesus. They find their golden goose. We ignite a fire of passionate pursuit and true purpose in people's lives. So you can get back in the fight and know that the things that you're doing in your life are mattering. Nobody wants to spend their life in vain and look back and say, well, I didn't make a difference at all. Your life was designed for so much more. Your life was designed to produce that fruit that we talked about. You're not a flip phone. You're on the cutting edge of what God is doing in the world today when you hook up with a church and you're going somewhere. I'm glad I took off my boyoing jacket. I, sh I should have wore it today. I don't know where it's at. <coughs> the point of new beginnings is to be different than you are right now. Right now may be good for somebody. Things are not always tough. Things You can be riding on the mountaintop. But the point of a new beginning is to make it better than it is now. God, is, He's just like continual improvement process. I always tell the people this, that I minister to into jails on Sunday night, today can be the first day of the rest of your life. I know you feel hopeless right now. I know it feels like the whole world's caving in on you because you're just looking through the lens of what you see. But I'm telling you by, through the lens of what I see and who I know and what was possible through God, which is all things. God bless you. If you're willing to embrace a new beginning, ladies and gentlemen, are you willing to embrace new beginnings? New beginning requires new direction, though. You want something new, you can't keep doing the same thing you're doing now. God will show you a new direction. You have to be willing to take that direction. The enemy of a, a new beginning is the same old, same old. 
It's the way we've always done it. That's why so many churches are dying right now. They're still got they're showing overheads on a projector screen, you know. And they're singing with a pipe organ. I'm not, you know, that's the way they do it. And I'm not saying we do it any better, but, but I'm saying, I don't know what I'm saying. Strike that from the record. <laughs> God is always making things new and better. And with Him at the helm, I can guarantee you one thing. Things are going to continue to get better. It may be a process that you have to walk out, but they are going to get better. I don't know anybody who is serving God with all their whole, their whole heart that looks back and regrets it. Isaiah 65, look, things are going to get better. There's things coming that we're told about in the Bible hadn't even happened yet. Isaiah 65, 17, God says, look, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. That hadn't happened yet. And no one will even think about the old ones anymore. This life you're living now is this light affliction called your stay here on earth is but for a moment. But it can work for you a far greater weight of glory in the life to come. See, there's coming a day, he says in Revelation 21-4, He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things one day will be gone forever. That's what I'm looking forward to. And the one sitting on the throne says, look, I'm making everything new. Say it's time for a new beginning. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.